If you'll turn in your Bibles, please, to John chapter 10. In the Pew Bibles in front of you, it is on page 752. What we've seen is that all Jesus' life, he has gone doing nothing but showing kindness to people. And the people that were whose job it was to be prepared for him, that God had prepared his people for his coming. This wasn't a surprise. It was totally uh, what people should have been ready for. Those very people were the people who were so threatened by Jesus that the hatred and animosity that they showed him was really just unforgivable. When you look at it, it it's just disgusting. And we've seen that he is... At the the Feast of Tabernacles, which happens in uh, October, it's at the beginning of October, and he is in Jerusalem for that reason, for this festival. <clears throat> and he stood in the stood in the courtyard with thousands and thousands of people, and as they were drawing water from the wells, saying that as they were commemorating that God took care of them in the desert, he stood and said, "If you are thirsty, come to me." Then as they lit the lamps, because it was an all-night party, as they lit the lamps there in the plaza and all the lamps were being lit, he stood up with a voice and said, I am the light of the world. And there were so many people listening to him, and there were so many of the religious leaders, the Pharisees who, who did every little tiny detail of the law. They were so careful to be very, very, very religious. They just could not stand Jesus. Everything that Jesus said irritated them and angered them. And so they confronted him over and over again. And so we see that that Jesus said, if you you will follow me, then you will not live in darkness. Now, as soon as we get into John chapter 9, which was last week, John chapter 9 is one story. And that story is of a man that was a beggar in the town. And Jesus and his disciples walked by, and they saw this beggar. And the disciples asked Jesus, who sinned here? This man is obviously uh, blind. It must be some kind of a judgment of God, because that must be how it works. Um, God is always nice to people if they're good, and and he's only mean to people when they're bad. And so somebody must have sinned. Did this boy sin? Did the baby sin? Or did the parents sin? Somebody must have sinned. And Jesus kind of said, no, it doesn't work like that at all. This man was, is this way so that I can show my glory in him. And then when you realize what Jesus is doing is he just said, I am the light of the world. I'm the one that gives people light so that they can actually see, not just, not just see, but perceive. They understand. They can see what be in front of them. They can see what the world is like how the universe actually works, what is important and what is not important. And then he looks at this man who doesn't even know they're there. This man never asked for healing, didn't ask for anything, didn't even know anybody was standing in front of him. And Jesus then takes some spit and some mud. He takes the dust on the ground and he makes some mud and he puts it on his eyes and then tells him to go down to the pool and wash off the mud. And when he comes back, he sees. Now, the first time he's ever seen. 
So Jesus is actually showing what he just said. He said, I'm the light of the world. And then he took this man who had never seen. He had never seen shapes. He had never seen colors. He didn't know anything at all. And he healed him. He let him see for the very first time. So Jesus was showing in real time what he was doing. He came that you might have sight. And people who are born, they don't see and they've never seen. They don't know what it's like. It's not like they lost their sight in an accident and remember what blue is or what big is or what cars look like or mountains or the sky. This man had no information at all. And Jesus was basically indicting the whole world, and he said, that's exactly what, that's exactly what we find in all people. All people are like this, that they, that they don't ever see anything. They don't know what you're talking about. When a Christian is talking about their, their testimony, whether you speak in beautiful words or whether you don't, your testimony, which means everything in the world to you, that person doesn't understand what you're saying. They don't get it. They're, they're, they're blind. They've been blind since birth. And when Jesus comes to them, he can absolutely give light to their deadened eyes that have never seen ever. So the very last verse of chapter 9, the Pharisees who are standing there, of course, who've been debating with Jesus for, for two chapters, two and a half chapters, said, oh, really? Are we blind too? As though, like, how can you be even more snarky? Are we blind? Is that what you're saying? Are you talking about us? And, and Jesus said, well, if you were blind, you wouldn't be sinner. But since you say you can see, yeah, your sin remains. Now, I think that is amazing. Then it starts into chapter 10. And so Jesus is speaking at the same moment. This is the response to what they just said. Oh, are we blind too? Jesus said, no, if you were blind, then you wouldn't be a sinner. If you were blind and, no, and, no, and don't know that you're blind and don't know to ask, then I can come and heal you. He said, because I've come for judgment, that, pe- that I will give sight to the blind, and those who say they can see, that I give blindness to the sighted. Now, that's a very frightening thing for people to say they're sighted, but essentially bring God's judgment on them. But for a person who recognizes, who goes to God and says, God, I know nothing. I'm not a good person. I don't, I don't deserve anything from you. Why would you tr- show me kindness ever? That person then is shown kindness for Jesus' sake. So it's, a, it's how you respond to the God who made you. And so, so this is the response to that. So this is from John chapter 10. We're going to take this story into two parts. So we're going to go from verse 1 to 10 today, and then from 10 to 21, which is the end of this speech, uh, next time. Okay, this is God's word. Verily, verily I say unto you, he that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbs up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. But he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter opens, And the sheep hear his voice, and he calls out his sheep by name and leads them out. And when he has put forth his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. And a stranger they'll not follow, but they'll flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers. This parable spake Jesus unto them, but they understood not what things that that it were that he spoke unto them. 
Then Jesus said unto them again, Verily, verily I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. By me any man may enter in, he shall be saved, and he shall go out and find pasture. The thief cometh not but for to steal and kill and destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word forever and ever, uh, a diamond that can't be understood, but is, is just shines with beauty. So let's look at this. He said, first, I say truly to you, he that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbs up some other way is a thief and a robber. So you have to have a picture picture we were actually last uh fall talking to a guy about i would love for my farm to be able to pay some of its own taxes and we were talking to a guy about about having sheep and he loves his sheep i'm scared because i'm thinking all my sheep will die okay but in any case he he was trying to talk me into getting some sheep the only experience that i have with sheep was when when i took the teenagers to romania i spent a day uh hiking in in this village and in this village all of the village was real crowded together like a town really tight town every house was right beside each house there was no grass in between every wall was next to the next wall and there was a barn every single house had a barn and they kept their animals in the barn and then during the morning uh, a man came and got all of the sheep and took them up to the pasture above the town. It was like a, shaped like a sea. And the pasture was up above this, and the town was kind of down in the valley. And he watched the sheep all day. And the sheep did not belong to that man, but they recognized him. But the sheep knew the people that they belonged to. So any of the family members, the, the husband could come up and call for his sheep, whistle for his sheep, and all of his sheep would come to him. There would be a big crowd of sheep all just mixed together, and the, and the sheep would just walk right over to the man. Or if the son from that family would go up and whistle for the sheep, all the sheep would go to the, to the boy because the sheep knew exactly who they belonged to. And then at the evening, all the people went up. It was almost like the school bus. All the people went up, got their sheep, and the sheep walked back home with them. They put them in the barn, and the next day the guy came in the morning and took the sheep out. That's what we're talking about. We have a, a sheep pen, okay, which is the barn. And then you have a pasture, which they eat at all day long. And then you have a watchman. You have an under-shepherd. You have someone that the shepherd hires to take care of the sheep when they can't. Because you can't imagine a shepherd can't take a care of sheep 24 hours a day. And they are totally, it would be like taking care of a baby 24 hours a day. You can't just say, oh, I'm not on duty. Right? You have to have somebody has to be watching it. And so because they're dumb and they are vulnerable and they get killed a lot, they'll, they'll stick their head in a bucket of water and forget to pull it out. And they're not really smart and they, they're not really, they don't have any wisdom. So they just get themselves into trouble all the time and they tend to die all the time. So the, the shepherd uh, has, the, there's a picture that Jesus is, is using here. So let's look what he said. He says that there is a, that, to, that there is a door and that if you climb over the fence, you're up to no good. 
The only, th the only reason anybody would climb over a fence into a yard full of someone else's property is to either kill them, steal from them, or destroy them. That there is no other reason why that you would try to be in with them if you weren't the, the one who would own it. Okay? But he that enters by the door is the shepherd. So the shepherd would come in at the door because he was legitimate. He had reason to be there. And then the, verse 3 says, to him, the porter openeth. The guy that's in charge of the pasture would open because he recognizes the people who live in that town. He walks up. He's like, okay, I've got t 10 sheep here. I've got 50 sheep here. He comes up, and then he whistles for them. Now, it's a little bit different here. I actually had to look this up because I, I don't know enough. Eastern shepherds don't drive sheep like cows. We drive cows and we drive sheep. That means we use dogs. So the shepherd is in the back, and the, the dogs are barking and chasing the sheep away because the sheep think that they're going to be chased by a wolf, and the sheep are running, and then you run them where you want them to go. But an eastern shepherd goes in front of their sheep, and everything is by their voice. They either talk to their sheep, and their sheep know who, you, who the voice is, or they whistle, and the sheep follow their whistles, and there's whistles for them, and they'll know the whistle, or they'll sing. And the shepherd just sings all day, and the, the sheep are just listening to the song and just following along because they know the voice. Okay? So, so it's a little bit different. It's not, you don't have sheepdogs. You, you don't have that idea that you're, you're scaring the sheep to do what they're supposed to do. Instead, there's a love and a trust. Totally different. I don't know if you've ever been scared to be a Christian. You've been scared because you don't want to burn in hell all your life, forever and ever and ever. And so, oh, I better be a Christian quick before I burn in hell all my life. That won't do it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That won't do it. You will live your whole life knowing that there's that dread and that fear, and you will never do anything about it. Okay? The, you, the only reason that you would ever follow God is out of love, and that love is when you see what Jesus has done for you. When you see what Jesus has done, when you look into the love of God and the goodness of God, something happens. Dead people come to life. Rocks turn into soft hearts that now care. They truly care. And they want to be together. They want to serve the Lord. They want to glorify him. They want to say thank you. And they want to say thank you with their lives. They want to say thank you with, their, with everything they are, with their time, with their efforts, with everything that is theirs. And nothing is too much because when you value God's kindness to you, it can't be counted high enough. If you were to count by millions, it would take eternity and you'd never touch what God has done for you in Jesus Christ. And so these sheep follow their shepherd. And so he said, the porter opens to him because he's illegitimate. And the sheep hear his voice and he calls out his own sheep by name and leads them out. Tell me that's not beautiful. That is beautiful because that's us. This is us. I'm not telling you that every word of the Bible is a picture of something else. It's not everything is in huge metaphors. But when, you, when Jesus says, I am the door to the sheep, you have to realize he's not a door. He must be talking in a picture that I have to understand. And so there's a broader picture here. He's a door to the sheep. That means I must be a sheep if I have anything to do with him. I must be his. I must understand his voice. And I follow him. And not every sheep in that pasture goes after him. So Mr. Jones comes up to the pasture, 
and he whistles for his sheep, and 43 sheep come, and the rest of them stay there like nothing happened because they don't even know who he is. They've never seen him before, or they don't know him. It's the same. So you've got an under-shepherd that's hired, and these under-shepherds um, are responsible to take care while the shepherd is not there, while the owner is not there, while his own is not there. And not everyone does a good job. Some people just work for a living. We're going to see next week that Jesus opens up a new idea that there's a hireling, that there's someone who it's not really their sheep. They don't really care at all. They're just hired for a wage. Give me a wage, and I'll do my thing. Whatever you think I'm supposed to do, I'll do my thing. And then, then danger comes. They don't care. The wolf comes, and they run. You know, just don't chase me. Chase the sheep. That, but a shepherd is not one who's simply uninvested. That shepherd is some, someone who that is everything to them. And then Jesus later is going to say, I'm the good shepherd. We'll see that next week. But right now, there's a different picture. Do you see two I am's in this passage? I am the door of the sheep is today. I am the good shepherd is death. That's a two different kind of pictures that he's showing. He's using this kind of big picture of sheep, and it's everywhere. Oh, my goodness. I could have taken you 50 places in the Old Testament about God being our shepherd. It, it's absolutely the picture because that's what people saw. This was, this was how they lived. They lived by herd, herding. They were herdsmen. And so you had to have this mentality. And so for God to be the one who takes care of the ones who can't take care of themselves and protects them, provides for them, and fights for them, um, not just eats lamb chops and has wool caps and drinks milk, but the, the people who were his shepherds who were supposed to take care, they were the ones who didn't do it. They were the ones who only wanted wool and milk and meat. They didn't care for anything. And Jesus is showing that he's a different kind of person. So I just want to remind you, this blind man who was now healed has just been kicked out of the synagogue because he said, Jesus is a prophet. I don't know what you're talking about. He healed me. God wouldn't listen to him if he were a sinner. He was standing for what Jesus had just done. He was two seconds old in understanding. He didn't even know. But yet, because he spoke in favor of Jesus Christ, the people had already decided that they were going to kick him out of the synagogue. That shows no care. This is a son of Abraham who was belonged to God, and Jesus Christ came to him. He, was, he had an appointment with him, the same as the woman at the well. God in heaven for eternity before the world ever existed set it up that God would come and intervene into this man's life. This man was chosen of God, but yet thrown away by the wicked who couldn't care less for God or his authority, that they had their own little show that they were trying to keep up with. And so that is showing that these are shepherds who are not worthy to be shepherds. Also, Jesus was accusing, because remember, he just looked and said, for judgment I've come into this world, that those who are blind might see, and those who say they can see might be blind. And what is he saying? He's saying the porter opens up to the shepherd. The porter's job is to recognize the shepherd. And when the shepherd comes, that porter's like, there's the shepherd, and he grants him access to his sheep. But here's the watchman of Israel, the very ones he's talking to, the very ones who should know. And Jesus is saying, these are mine, and you were responsible. You were stewards. You think you're, in, you're, you're such 
uh, high authority, high level. You were stewards to take care of mine, and now I'm here, and I want to see my sheep, and they don't even recognize him. So porter, the porter should have known. The porter is the one who realized. Now, I'm going to take you in a few places today to Ezekiel chapter 34. It really is two passages that I'm going to preach on. I can't do otherwise. This is the most important idea of the shepherd of Israel in the Old Testament, and it's Ezekiel 34. Can you turn there and put your thumb there? We're going to read it in a couple different sections. Let me read up to verse 9. And the word of the Lord came unto me, this is Ezekiel, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, Thus saith the Lord God unto the shepherds, Woe to the shepherds that do, not, that do feed themselves. Should not the shepherds feed the flocks? You eat the fat, and you clothe yourself with the wool. You kill them that are fed, and you feed not the flock. The diseased have not been strengthened, neither have you healed that which was sick, neither have you bound up that which was broken, neither have you brought again that which was driven away, neither have you sought that which was lost, but with force and cruelty you ruled them. And they were scattered because there is no shepherd, and they came, became meat to all the beasts of the field, and they were scattered. My sheep wandered through the mountains upon every hill, yea, my flock was scattered upon all the face of the earth, and none did search or seek after them. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As I live, saith the Lord God, surely because of my flock became a prey, and my flock became meat to every beast of the field, because there was no shepherd, neither did my shepherds search for the flock, but my shepherds fed themselves and fed not my flock. Therefore, O ye shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. God is saying, I'm the shepherd. It's my sheep. It's my flock. You think you have power, you think you have authority, you think you have some kind of a level. You were, were tasked with something very, very important. You were touching my things. And this is not just a possession that you could misplace. These are people that will for, live forever, and I care about them. And these were the people that was whose job it was to do something, to help them, to provide for them, to feed them, to nourish them, to protect them. And all they were doing was being fleeced, if you know what the word fleece is. They were being used and abused and then lost. And this, is, this was ferocious. So God is now going to change. I'm going to start reading at verse 10. He's going to change. Show yourself how many times God says, I, 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 I. Every verse God is going to say, I'm going to do this, 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 I'm going to do this because you did not do what you were tasked to do. So this is verse 10. We're still in Ezekiel 34. Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I am against the shepherds, and I will require my flock at their hand and cause them to deliver, uh, cease from feeding the flock. Neither shall the shepherds feed themselves anymore. For I will deliver my flock from their mouth, and they shall not be meat for them. Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I, even I, will both search out my sheep and seek them out. And as a shepherd seeks out the flock in the day that, that he is among the sheep that are scattered, so I will seek out my sheep, and I will deliver them out of all places whether they've been scattered in the cloudy and dark day. And I will bring them out from the people and gather them from the countries, and I will bring them into their land and feed them upon the mountains of Israel by the rivers. And all the inhabited places in the country, I will feed them in a good pasture, and upon high mountains of Israel shall their fold be. 
There they shall lie in a good fold and in a fat pasture, and they shall feed upon the mountains of Israel. I will feed my flock, and I will cause them to lie down, saith the Lord God. I will seek that which was lost. I will bring again that which was driven away, and I will bind up that which was broken, and I will strengthen that which was sick. But I will destroy the fat and the strong, and I will feed them with judgment. Let's go back to verse 4. We're now in chapter 10 again in John. And when he puts forth his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. And the strangers they will not follow, but will flee from them, for they do not know the voice of strangers. So I know when you're trying to teach young people about the Lord. I've heard this so many. It's a relationship. It's a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's not really a religion. It's not a philosophy. It's not something you adopt. It's you know God. And as you know God, there is something that builds with that. And as you know God, God is able to lead you because you listen to him and you will listen to him. You can see those who are gods. I I really just don't buy people's testimonies Most of the time, I'm just like, yeah. I always accept someone's testimony if they say they know the Lord. I always accept it. But in my heart of hearts, I just go, yeah, we'll see. Because it's that who will endure to the end shall be saved. Show me through your life. Show me through your long life that you're following the Lord. And I'll show you. That's really what it is. It's not that we should be suspicious of each other. We shouldn't. But I just know what men are because I am one. That's just the way it is. We have learned to be fraudulent to each other. So a person who is following the Lord is someone who can hear God's voice and follows him. They, they want it. There's a desire. There's a, there's a test. You don't just go forever and just say, oh, yeah, well, I'll just come to church or I'll not come to church. It doesn't really bother me either way. No, there is a hunger to where you couldn't stand it at all. I must go and worship the Lord. I must glorify Jesus. I must with the other saints, be they one, two, or three, or a million, that you lift up Jesus' praise until you are dead, until they put you in the ground and you go and be with the Lord forever. That is what is, that is what is a sheep is like. A sheep is someone who trusts his shepherd, listens to him. And then you have this idea that there's other voices too, not just the shepherd's voice. There's, it's a cacophony of voices. Tell me that there are not a million voices shouting at you. And you have to actually stop and go, whoa, 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 wait a second. Because I'm not an idiot. I can't just follow everybody. Okay? And think about all of the religious nuts you've met in your life. Would you like to follow them all? Come on. You want to go, you want to drink some Kool-Aid? It's, and it's not just that. They'll lead you everywhere. And, and I always wondered, when I was a young Christian, I never understood that. Why would anybody bother? Because to me, it was so hard for me to read my Bible. It was such a strain at first for me to do it. The idea that someone would know every word in the Bible and be not saved never made any sense to me. Why would anybody go to the trouble? But you're going to see, you'll see other voices that have every, all of the Bible studies and all of the, the podcasts and all of the Christian radio and the television shows. Come on. You have to be able to say, what am I listening to? And it's the Holy Spirit in your life. The Holy Spirit that's in your heart will say, true. And you'll have to say, that was true. And you follow. And you will follow. And you'll follow all the way to glory. God will lead you all the way. He's already walked this path. 
He walked it all. He died naked on a cross. He walked it all. There's nothing that you will endure that he's never done already. And because of that, he will lead you. And there are a million voices, and you must hear the voice of truth. And this is the voice of truth. Brothers and sisters, this is the voice of truth. Don't ignore it. Don't ignore it. Don't ignore it. And I'm not giving you a guilt trip. It's not read your Bible, pray, and witness. It is this is your life. This is your life. Do not listen to these other voices who are trapping you and tricking you and stealing your life, stealing your fullness, stealing your joy, stealing your confidence. These voices will trap you, and you must hear God's voice so you can follow him. And that means you must listen. And listening to God is not just, it, God doesn't use weirdness. God can do everything he pleases, but this is how God speaks to you. God is on the other side of the page of the Holy Bible, in the other side of the page, right now in real time, and he will tell you as you are to do. And you'll know the, the stranger's voice, and the closer you know God's voice, the more you can discern the ones that almost sound like God. <clears throat> the ones that almost sound like God are more dangerous than the ones who are just completely nuts. And that is the way it works. It said they will not for, uh, follow the thief of the robber. I wrote down Proverbs 19 because we went through Proverbs in the Bible study for a whole, for a whole year. <clears throat> Cease, my son, to hear the instruction that causes to err from the words of knowledge. You have to realize whatever you're listening to that is trying to steal your soul, don't follow them. Even though it sounds enticing, even though your sin nature wants it, you must stop. You must recognize that there are, you have an enemy that would love to trap you all the way to the end. And Christian, you can be lied to. If you are so sleepy that you can't hear or see and you're just in a grog, you can be led not to perdition. You can't go all the way to hell, but you will never go to hell. But you will waste your life. You'll waste your life. Your life will tick like a clock for years upon years upon years, and nothing will ever happen. You'll be fruitless like a fig tree. And that is, these are voices that you follow. That's what's happening. This is verse 6. This parable spake Jesus unto them, but they did not understand what things that they were which he spoke unto them. How could they understand it? They were not his sheep. Do you see the picture here? He is, everything he's saying, even John's little insertion is showing that the people that he's speaking to are like, huh? They're not his sheep. They can't hear his voice. And though they're listening to his words, now, try to make sense of that, they're listening to his words and not hearing his voice. They're listening to his words and not hearing his voice. How many people <clears throat> sit and have he heard God's word spoken and it never did anything to them? Never, met, never made it because they're not listening to his voice. They've heard his words and it will go away. The devil will take it like a bird on the path and go away and it will not produce fruit at all. That's what he's doing. It's proving. I'm going to go back to Ezekiel. This is 3423. Because God has, remember, said, I'm going, hear the word of the Lord, O you shepherds. And then he said, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do this. 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 How is he going to do it? Okay. How is he going to do this? This Ezekiel 34 would make a wonderful uh, Sunday school class. Oh, my goodness, so easy. I could go first, first, first point, second point, third point, app, you know, application, let's have coffee. 
okay? It would be really, really just lends itself so well to an outline. This is 23. This is Ezekiel 34, 23. And I will set up one shepherd over them. And he shall feed them, even my servant David. He shall feed them and shall be their shepherd. And I, the Lord, will be their God and my servant David, a prince among them. I, the Lord, have spoken it. And I will make a covenant of peace. And I will cause the evil beast to cease out of the land. And they shall dwell safely in the wilderness and sleep in the woods. And I will make them and the places round about a hill of blessing. And I will cause a shower to come down in a season. And there will be showers of blessing. Do you see God's, do you see God's answer to our need? Our, his answer to our need is our Savior. That's how he does it. That's how he meets your need. I will put a, a, a shepherd over them and he will feed them. And I will be their God and he will be a prince. And, and I will make it a covenant of peace with them. You have to realize that that covenant of peace is Jesus Christ. That covenant of peace with God. Your peace with God is Jesus Christ. It's not that Jesus Christ is the guy who signs your checks. Jesus Christ is your life. And he is how you are right with God and how you will have peace with God. And there will be showers of blessing in your life. Despite what the doctor says. Despite what the doctor says. He, there will be showers of blessing because of your God's love for you through Jesus Christ. Through Jesus Christ. Now, when he gets to seven, I really had to wrestle with this because it... Six said, this parable he spoke, to, but they didn't understand it. So it makes me think that one through five was the parable. But when you go on, he's, he's not just, he's not describing the parable. He's expanding the parable. I say that this is going on. This, the parable's continuing and it's getting bigger. It's not that he's explaining what he just said. Because remember that it's the disciples who Jesus explained to What's the meaning of the this? And what's the meaning of that? And, and Jesus is like, are you sure you've been in my school and you don't, you're still in the first grade? Are you sure? And he'll say, well, let me show you and I'll tell you about it. But to them, I'm telling them a parable so that they won't see. Jesus is guarding. He, some people will not see and other people will see. That's why he says, if you have eyes to see, see. If you have ears to hear, hear. He's commanding you. If God has done something in your life, wake up. Well, this is what he says here. This is verse 7. Then Jesus said to them again, Verily, verily, I am the door of the sheep. All that came after me were before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. By me, if any man uh, may enter in, he shall be saved and go out in and out and find uh, pasture. The metaphors changed. Right? At first, Jesus was the shepherd that came in by the door, and the porter opened the door to him. Now he is the door. Now, I remember in junior high, somebody preaching to me and said, well, in the Middle East, the shepherd simply just laid in front of the door, and the sheep would come up to him. And Once, once I was doing a sleepover, never do it. It's a bad idea. Sleepovers, junior high sleepovers is about as bad as it can get. So I was, I was the door. And there were about 25 boys in my room, and Melissa was in another room, and I don't know if she was the door or not. She probably could trust them more. I wouldn't have trusted them at all, but I was the door. But the problem is I'm a really sound sleeper, really sound sleeper. And when you wake me up, I scream like a girl. 
So about 2 o'clock in the morning, one of the boys had to go to the bathroom, and he stepped over me, okay? And then he was wrestling with the door because I was at the door. I was leaning against the closed door with my body so that they couldn't get out. And he was straddled, and he, was, he had one foot on both sides of me looking down at me, and I woke up and looked into his face and went, ah, and screamed like a girl. <laughs> What's going on? So he was, I've heard that Jesus is the door. I don't think it's that way. I think Jesus is the door so that the sheep would be his sheep. I'm the door to the sheep. I'm not the door to the pen. I'm the door to the sheep, and they shall come in and out. They shall be in the pen and be safe, and they shall go out to the pasture and be fed. That's, that is the idea. That's to, to them, remember? That man will come in and be saved. I am the one. He, he's being exclusive. I am the way, the truth, and the life, he's going to say when we get later in 14. That's what he's going to say. Now, when he, when he said, when he said um, in the sheep and remember the thieves and robbers, you're seeing now that at first he was the shepherd and there were thieves and robbers. Now he's the door and there are thieves and robbers. That's interesting. That's a different idea. He's the door that allows safety and there are thieves and robbers trying to, to break in. He's not the shepherd in this picture. He's the door that allows the sheep to be rescued. Remember the proverb that said, uh, the name of the Lord is a strong tower and the, the righteous run in and are saved. Okay, That idea that He's the protector. That, that tower is the protection. Okay? All previous and future messiahs uh, did not and won't fool Jesus' people. This is Gamaliel. Remember Gamaliel? Paul learned from Gamaliel. This is Acts chapter 5. Gamaliel is speaking here. Then stood up one of the council, a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a doctor of the law, and in reputation among all the people, commanded that he, the apostles be put forth a little space. And he said to them, You man of Israel, take heed yourselves what you intend to do as touching these men. For before these days rose up Thutis, boasting himself to be somebody, to whom a number of men, about 400, joined themselves, who was slain, and all, as many as obeyed him, were scattered and brought to naught. And after this man rose up Judas of Galilee in the days of the taxing and drew away much people after him, and he also perished, and all, even as many as obeyed him, were dispersed. And now I say to you, refrain from these men and let them alone, for if this counsel uh, or this work be of men, it will come to nothing. But if it be of God, you cannot overthrow it, lest you happily to be found to fight even against God. Do you see what he's saying? There were all these false messiahs even before Jesus. Like while Jesus was alive, there were people who were trying to get pe- There's always somebody wanting to get a bunch of people, okay? The poor, dumb sheep will follow anybody. They'll follow anybody. So you listen, okay? Now, this is Matthew 24, one of the scariest chapters, I think, in the whole Bible. Scary. I don't want to preach it yet because I know nothing about this. It's too hard. This is saying, and now, if there... If any man shall say to you, Lo, here's Christ, or there, believe it not. For there shall rise many false Christs, or false prophets, and he shall show great signs and wonders in so much as it were possible that they would deceive the very elect. There's always somebody wanting to, to say something to you, to draw you away. But if you hear Jesus' voice, you won't be, you'll know who the frauds are. You'll know. You'll know. You will know. I just think that that is pretty cool. Now, you remember these people were wanting to overthrow Rome by swords. Hey, I got 400 men. I can handle the army. 
I can, hold, uh, I can handle the Roman legions because well, we've got 400 men and we all have a knife. Give me a break. Jesus overthrew the world by dying on a cross. And his followers have to take up their cross as well. You want want to join Jesus' revolution? Be careful. Know what he's asking you before. Knowing what he, know what he's requiring you. You'll die before you, you'll have victory. Jesus did. For the joy set before him, he despised the cross and endured its shame, knowing what was going to happen. So that's how we conquer. We conquer in that same way. You want to live? You got to die. Well, that's not what Thutis did. That's not what these guys did. These, they were thieves and robbers, and my sheep did not listen to them. My sheep heard me, recognized me, and you're looking right at me, and you don't understand a thing. Well, that proves it, doesn't it? This is verse 10. The thief cometh not, but to steal, kill, and destroy. I married a woman from Tennessee, and she can't say that very well. If you were to ask her, could you say John 10.10? She would say, she'd have to stop and really slow down and say, steal? kill and destroy because she wants to say steal, kill, steal, I'm not even sure steal, kill and destroy because it all rhymes I'm come that they might have life and they might have it abundantly contrast, you have thieves that come to steal, kill and destroy you have Jesus who comes to give life more abundantly so Satan's a thief Satan said, so now, do you see what's happened is, is we're able to recognize who this thief is. It's, there, there becomes obvious, to, if you're listening to Jesus' voice, if you've listened and listened and listened and listened and listened, and you hear it and it's sewn together in 50 ways, and you're like, you hear it, you recognize, I have an enemy, and he's come to still, steal, still, still kill and destroy. Sorry, I did that on accident. This is 1 Peter 5, be sober. Be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, is a roaring lion walking around seeking whom he would destroy. I pulled 2 Corinthians 4. If our gospel be hid, hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. Okay, His subtlety, his deceit is such that the lost follow him all the way to destruction. Your, your Savior is leading you in a different path that will lead you not just to life, but abundant life, to where you're actually living for the first time. Your life now is different from your life before Christ. You're actually alive for the first time. It's, a, it's abundant. I'm going to end with a benediction. We're going to sound like a Presbyterian. We're going to end with a benediction because I just think a benediction is simply a pronouncement of blessing. And this is from Hebrews 13, 20. Now the God of peace that brought you again from the dead, our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you perfect in every good work to do his will, working that which is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen.